all you have to know how to, to speak uh, New Englanders, tell everybody that you're having a wicked hard time, and they'll help you out. It's pronounced wicked hard time. Wicked hard. Yeah, don't say hard. They won't, they won't help you. Welcome to Talk About Scary, the show where we do just that. Talk about scary places. I'm Clay, and yeah. Adam's here too. And I'm Adam. <laughs> See, like I said, he's here. And this episode today is brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts, except it's not. And Dunkin' Donuts, if you try to take us down, I'll take you down with us. We can make a, we can do a shout out to Dunkin'. I love Dunkin's. Delicious. Love their donuts. They're like my 14th <clears throat> favorite donut place. You see, I'm glad you said Dunkin' Donuts, though, because uh, where we're going to go is pretty much very close to my hometown, and everything is Dunkin' Donuts up there. Everything. Dunkin' Donuts is, it, that, that's it for everybody. It's fantastic. I'm just saying, America does not run on Dunkin'. The West Coast doesn't run on Dunkin', but you know, the East Coast definitely does, and it's delicious. And their coffee is the best coffee that you don't like, because you don't like coffee, but they have the best coffee in the world. I think it's better than Starbucks, myself. Everything's better than <clears throat> Starbucks. Yeah, it's true. That's just burnt coffee. Five bucks coffee. Well. They lowered their price? No, I just call it five <laughs> bucks coffee. <laughs> anyway, mm. sorry, Duncan. Not sorry. Yeah, not sorry. Um, today, well, for our, our listeners, we're doing a two-part um, uh, podcast here. It's on the Bridgewater Triangle, and the reason why we're doing it in two parts is because it's really hard to stick 10 pounds of crap into a five pound bag. There's a lot of stuff that happens here. Also, I might be <coughs> telling a lot of jokes today, so. Yeah, so. Prepare for some dad jokes. So uh, strap on your scary hats and uh, hold on to your nuts because we're going on a fantastic voyage to the Bridgewater Triangle. Um, again, my hometown. So uh, the Bridgewater Triangle is an area about 200 square miles. That is for uh, our Canadian listeners and in other countries that don't use miles, which is hey, pretty hey, much everyone. Maple syrup. <laughs> is 520 kilometers squared. Pretty. Hey, that sounds a maple lot larger. Syrup. Sounds a lot larger, doesn't it? Than 200 square miles. Uh, and, it's, and it's within southeastern Massachusetts. So, and so it's near and dear to my heart. I'm actually, uh, I was born in a New Englander. I'm from Southern New Hampshire, right next to the border of Massachusetts. So most of everything that we did as kids was in Massachusetts. I remember my, my pop taking me down uh, to Red Sox games to get uh, Italian ices, going to the farmer's market over in the North End. Um, and even though we didn't get down to uh, South Massachusetts very much, I still feel like this is a place that's near and dear to my heart. Something that I've heard about since I was a child. Um, and uh, we have a lot of spooky stuff up there, obviously. But this is a really great place. See, I didn't do that <clears throat> growing up. I got to watch a lot of baseball teams because they all came here for spring training. We want to watch the Angels? Boom, they're over there. We want to watch the Cubs? Boom, we just walked. We literally lived close enough to watch the Cubbies 
play spring training games. I'm not so. a big sports guy, but I love. Well, you brought I love in, going to baseball. You games, brought though. in the Red Sox, so oh, I just so wanted cool. to bring in the fact that uh, Arizona is doing it right with spring training. You know, I'm going to say I love going to baseball games, though, and I love going to spring training. It's like one of my favorite things to do. We should go next year. We should do it. Um, but uh, yeah, so but southeastern Massachusetts. I'm getting off topic. Suck. Well, we can go to spring training. You're right. <laughs> so, um, Diamondbacks get it together. Moving on. Boom, boom, boom. Southeastern Massachusetts is where we are. Um, specific boundaries of the Bridgewater Triangle were first defined by cryptozoologists. Say that one time fast. There you go. Lauren Coleman, who actually coined the term the Bridgewater Triangle in the 1970s. And then he did it again in his book, which is still out and you can buy on Amazon called Mysterious America. That is a good book. Give it a shot if you haven't read it. Um, fantastic book. Link in the bio, <clears throat> except it's not. Yeah, there's no link in the bio. Um, is there a bio? No. <laughs> um, so um, the triangle is is formed with three towns. Uh, Abington is at the tip of the triangle, and then Freetown, and this is hard to say, Rebo Rehoboth. 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 Rehoboth to the south. Sorry if I've mispronounced the town's name. Um, as Looks many like people... the only town that starts with an R in that region. Yeah. So. Rehoboth. Um, anybody will attest that if you read a town's name in New England and you say it at a gas station, if you're trying to find a place, I guarantee you they're going to tell you you pronounced it wrong, no matter what it is. Um, the pronunciations of some of these places are either uh, like Algonquin or they're a lot of them are just um, like old English, very weird. So uh, if you're a West Coaster going over there, uh, bring a English to New English dictionary with you because <laughs> it's going to be hard to say. Link in the bio to buy one of those. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> There's no bio. Yeah. It's, all you have to know how to, to speak uh, New Englander is tell everybody that you're having a wicked hard time and they'll help you out. It's pronounced wicked hard time. Wicked hard. Yeah, don't say hard. They won't, they won't help you. Uh, They're called H's. <laughs> They're called H's for a reason. Um, so uh, so my first question right off the bat as we dive into the Bridgewater Triangle <laughs> is I see that there is, is it a town called Bridgewater that it, that's like on the side? Does it is it in the triangle? Like the name... Yeah, so Bridgewater is on the side of this beautiful, I think this is an isosceles triangle. And it's to the it's to the east side, the northeast side. There's Bridgewater and there's East, east Bridgewater. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they're right there. So probably why they call it the Bridgewater Triangle, right? Well, sure, but it looks like there's a, a lot of this cities that Whitman's actually right are, next to it. Uh, is that raining? where like a lot of the stuff you're about to talk about happens? Or You're, you're to hear. You're gonna hear. Don't don't get me. I don't started. I mean, it's wait, it's really though. close. Taunton is the, is in the center of the bottom of the triangle. There's Raynham. Uh, you pronounced it wrong. It's Taunton. Yeah, it's Raynham is in the middle, um, and uh, you know it's just uh, there you go. Um, it's got a lot of activity through there, but I digress. <clears throat> um, pretty much central to the area. Since you asked, is a place called Hockamock Swamp. Which means... All these names sound made up. Well, this one is not. This is Algonquin. 
Um, and it means uh, the place where the spirits dwell. Um, English colonizers called it Devil Swamp back in the day. Um, Hockenbach Swamp is a vast westland, wetland, excuse me, westland, wetland, encompassing much of the northern part of southeastern Massachusetts. Hold on your hats, man. It's I don't six, have a hat. Oh, you put a hat on. It's 16,950 acres. That's almost 17,000 acres of swamp. Why? Um, I believe that's hectares here. So you could also do 6,859 hectares if you're uh, not from this country. Hectares? Um, hectares. I believe that's how you pronounce that's it. That's a unit of measurement in other countries. They don't use acres. They use hectares? Yeah, I believe that's Hectares? I can... Let me look that up. I want to make sure I'm saying that right. Are you sure they don't use that in Mexico and it's hectares? <laughs> hectares? Very funny. Yeah, hectare. It's a unit of area in the metric system equal to 100 acres. Or 10,000 square meters. So you're learning something new every day. Well, I'll make a bold statement to all of our out of the U.S. listeners. Which there are a lot of them, and thank you very much for listening to us. That was Adam, not me. Um, to all of them out there that aren't part of the United States of America, we're like pretty much the only civilized country, I think there's like one other one, that uses um, our unit of measures, and y'all use the metric system. And you're wrong. I don't mind the metric system. I think it's a more simple method. When After work on cars, I like using metric cars uh foreign cars because it's all metric if you needed if you need an eight socket or a 13 socket you know or 10 you got it you got it right there you don't have to look at like a five and three eighths you don't have to do that it's just it's, it's better yeah but that that's on a smaller scale if you're looking at a larger scale like you just said this is like a 200 acre land no 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 it's not 200 acres it's seventeen thousand acres no no or i'm sorry square miles the, oh, yeah. the triangle you said was like 200 square miles mm -hmm. But that's like 580 kilometers. 520, like, yeah. What, it, it's just larger. Like the, the larger things are, I, I feel like kilometers and things like that just kind of get out of hand. Like how far away is the earth to the sun? It's like 282,000 miles. One AU. Yeah, there you go. It's, it's like, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I'm not going to look it up. I know it's roughly like 282,000 miles, though. But in kilometers, like, what is that? 4,972,000. Well, now I have to know before we get started. Hold and on. 12 kilometers. Hey, Siri. What should I be doing? Siri's not here. Siri's not part of this guest. Apple, get it together. She should have had it done. Hold on. I have to look for this or I'm going to go crazy. Hold on. I'm going crazy, crazy, it's, crazy. Wow, I don't want it in kilometers. In miles, thank you. You're okay, you, you proved you proved your point there. You proved your point. <laughs> okay. It is wow, that's a lot. Say it. I'm gonna say it. Ninety two million nine hundred and fifty five thousand eight hundred and seven point three miles. In so roughly oh, was 93 I thinking, million miles. I might have been thinking to, to the moon, in, honest, in well, all honesty. Well, that's, yeah, you have to be what it is, because you're talking about astronomical units, which is Earth to Sun. Yeah, but I, I think something's <clears throat> like 282,000. I think that's... You still the, proved your point, though, because I wanted to use the miles. I didn't want to use the kilometers. Yeah, because it's... I can't even say that number. On a smaller scale, I can understand, because then you're using thirds and quarters. And, and kilometers is like your bank account. Seven twelfths. It's a little crazy. But I'll take my money in kilometers because that means it's like three times, four times, eight times. 
larger. Point so. well taken. But, so we'll go with 16,950 acres. Um, you see what all of you do that aren't the United States of America? You do this. It's true. This is why we're all crazy here. This is such a long episode. These people are going to hate us if we can't get through it. You guys think this is about the Bridgewater Triangle. It's It's actually about math. Uh, Units of measurement. Okay, so to recap. You're already talking about isosceles triangles. It's crazy. (laughs) The Hockamock Swamp is a vast west wetland, I'm going to say it again, encompassing much of the northern part of southeastern Massachusetts. A large quantity. In it's, fact, maybe like, you know, three quarters. Yeah. No, it's not really. It's not. <laughs> I just wanted to give a fraction for the folks at home. Seventeen, Almost 17,000 acres of land is considered the largest freshwater swamp in the state. It acts as a natural flood control mechanism for that region. During, and it was how many hectares? <laughs> sorry. Hectors. I'll stop. Don't. <laughs> Everyone at home, like, their face is steaming. I can see the he's so lake. Set. He's so The uh, red on so, their cheeks. He's such an Arizonan. It's so funny. During the 17th century, the Hockamock Swamp was used as a fortress by the Wampanoag, the predominating tribe of, of natives in the area. Um, it was used as a, uh, as, a, um, as a fortress against invasion by early English settlers. It played a role in King Philip's War, as a strategic base of operations for the Metacomet, also known as King Philip, to launch assaults upon nearby English settlements. During the this is talk about this is the talk about history part. I'm making it short, I promise. Talk about history. Okay. During the 18th and 19th centuries, Euro-American settlers deemed the swamp to be worthless, barren land, and attempted to drain it and convert it into a profitable farmland. Reverend and historian William L. Chafin of Easton. They attempt, was, wait, wait, wait. They attempted to drain 17,000 acres of swampland? Oh, yeah. They, uh, the, 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 uh, <laughs> I can't even think right now. They could do things like that back then. They, 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 they were on point. What's funny now is I that. I don't think we could do that today. You and I couldn't do it today. We have to look at our phones for everything. But back then, they knew everything about, they, they just had it in their heads. They could they could build bridges and they could they could uh, they could paint on ceilings and they could huge modern marvels crazy stuff they did and they use it all from their minds they just they remembered things we are not as smart as they were we have much more technology but we were far dumber in so many different ways anyway um, Reverend and historian William L uh, Chaffin sorry I hope I pronounced that right of Easton was an early advocate of the drainage schemes. However, the natives of that region placed a higher value on the swamp for centuries. Natives had relied on uh, hunting game there, and the swamp um, had gained in a revere. Uh, sorry, <clears throat> English. I, I, my, my, uh, I'm coughing a lot today. Sorry, guys. Um, and the swamp gained a, a revered status among them. They named it Hockamock, the Algonquin term meaning place where the spirits dwell. In addition to life-sustaining activities, much of the swamp served a dual purpose as a sacred burial ground. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that. Hmm, that's a good one. I was waiting to get to that point. It's not all history, so it gets, it gets spooky quick. The Hockamock um, is, is occasionally referred to as the Hobomock. The Wampanoag worshipped and feared Hobomock, um, the chief deity of death and disease. Hobomock 
composed of human souls of the dead, was known to congregate in areas like the Hockamock. Thus, the terms Hockamock and Hobomock became interchangeable among Native Americans when referring to the swamp or the spirit. Hobo, hako, hobo, so it's kind of like hobo, uh, for hobo, us hobo, the Holy hobo, Spirit, hobo. right? Um, you know the Holy Trinity and the Holy Spirit. Uh, mm -hmm. So they the the swamp and Hobomock became interchangeable because they are one entity, as far as they're concerned, or as far as they were concerned. Uh, there are many stories and legends that have become associated with the swamp, and even in modern times, it has for some remained a place of mystery and fear. What do you think of my history lesson so far? It's putting me to sleep a little bit, if I'm being honest. You know, but right when I said burial ground, though, your your ears peaked right up. You're like, what? Yeah, what? but I thought we were going to go into, like, ghosts. It's just talking about scary. It's not talking about ghosts. We're hobo, about... Hobos. Mokes. It's an ancient hobo. deity that's comprised of all the souls of the people that were buried. That's pretty terrifying. People buried in the, like, water? Yeah, they use it as a burial ground. I think that they buried around there. The swamp isn't all liquid. It's, you know, the solids. Or... They were probably dumped in the water. You know, the bog people, uh, where is that? Is that in Ireland? The bog people? You don't? Okay. The bog people, I believe it's Ireland. Are you going to ask Siri again? Yeah, I'm kind of going to ask Siri again. So human cadavers um, have been found mummified in peat bogs. Um, and uh, this is something that, that happened in ancient um, uh, Scotland and, and Ireland. Um, and actually, anywhere there was where there's a peat bog, where there's a lot of peat bogs in Scotland. Um, so, and if anybody thinks that I'm wrong, please correct us. Uh, you can go on our Instagram page and tell me that I am a, uh, send me a message, tell me I'm an idiot, but uh, I believe that's true. Um, it was a common practice and there's no reason to believe that um, that uh, they wouldn't, uh, these natives wouldn't do that as well. In another episode, we'll talk more but um, there's evidence from another site that we'll talk about later on that um, that suggests, based on the petroglyphs uh, that these people had, that perhaps um, ancient people from Ireland came over first before anybody else came over and mated with these people and, and, and shared histories with these people. Um, it's really kind of interesting if you look at how similar the petroglyphs are on these, on these two things on their, their petroglyphs versus the Native American petroglyphs. So anyway, <clears throat> I'll get back. But so burying them in bogs and swamps might be something they, they learned or that they traded with each other, you know, information. The Freetown Fall River State Forest um, has reportedly been the site of various cult activities, including animal sacrifice, ritualistic murders, um, committed uh, by admitted Satanists, as well as a number of gangland murders and a number of suicides. Now, there's so many murders um, in this state forest um, that it, it would be a three-part episode to talk about all of them. But suffice it to state to say there's been several murders there. Um, notably, there was a, a girl who was murdered there. They found out later on that it was a part of a satanic cult. And one of the girls... Um, that they found a part of the satanic cult. There were a lot of sex workers back then. Um, yeah, yeah, and they were part of uh, they were part of this cult. And uh, one of the girls that was going to come forward and talk about it, right? Um, she uh, 
she got afraid and she didn't want to piss off the, le the cult leader guy. But not only did she not want to piss off the cult leader guy, but she didn't want to piss off Satan. Whenever I think about cult leaders, I always think about that guy from Temple of Doom from uh, Indiana Jones where he's got like the big like, it's not it's not a bull, but he's got like the horns. Kalima. Yeah. And he, like, Kali, that's my favorite. Tries to pull the heart. That's all I can think about when I think about cults. Isn't that your favorite of it's, all Indiana Jones? That's no, the best one. That's, that's my favorite. The worst one. <laughs> You're so wrong. That is the best one. That is his dark. That no, is like no, no, Pocket no. Man and Cargo Boy 2. Ooh, that is his ooh. dark. <laughs> the best one is Last Crusade. I just love the chemistry of Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. Yeah, his father and son. I like, thought number works. two was just more funny to me. It was funny. You know what did it for me? I'm sorry to say this, but I didn't really care for Short Round. And I didn't really care for the girl who ended up marrying Steven Spielberg, the actress. I yeah. can't think of her name right now, but that's... I Steven thought she did Spielberg. a great like, job. She just yelled too much and was annoying. And no! I, I prefer all of Indy's other uh, female friends. By the way, Clay's favorite actual Clay's favorite is Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was his favorite. Movie. I actually really like uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I, I would probably nobody tie is that, gonna. I would tie that second with Raiders. To be honest with you, are you really? I am really tying it second. You got to get out of here, dude. That was the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. No, no, no. It's it's really good. And you know what? I sorry. Side tangent here. Are, are you gonna, gonna just let your thing beep the entire time we're doing this? Or are you gonna? Turn I'm just. It off? I'm so. I've already <laughs> muted it. I don't know why it's still going off. <laughs> I'm just more famous than you, and I get emails every 20 seconds. <laughs> anyway, we'll get right back to the Bridgewater Triangle, but I want to make a point about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that people completely miss is a lot of people didn't <clears throat> like that it was supernatural and had to do with, like, aliens and all that stuff. But every other topic of an Indiana Jones film is complete BS too. Whether it's more, I mean, yeah, they were more religious and they followed like, you know, yeah, come things on. from the Bible, but I'm sorry. Like, there's no proof that there was a Holy Grail. There, there's no proof that the Ark of the Covenant has is actually like a thing or that when you open it, your face melts. Like people need to just back off of aliens. They need to back off of Shia LaBeouf. He did great in that film. And- um, Oh, I think he's a great actor. Absolutely. I mean, the only thing I'll knock on that film is he didn't need to swing with the monkeys. <laughs> like, there was a lot of fanciful stuff I didn't care for. But there but, was whatever. a lot of stuff that that I thought was really good. And um, okay, I, I like all the Indiana Jones movies, so we'll just we'll just leave it at that. They're they're all they're all good. They're all good. We're sorry. <laughs> Last Crusade, <laughs> it's the best. Okay, okay. <laughs> Anyway, getting back to it, we're going to finish with Profile Rock today and talk about it for a few minutes, and then we're going to talk about what we've talked about, and then we'll pick it up on the next episode. Um, so I want to talk about Profile Rock. Um, this is a rock that is supposed to look like... This happens a lot in New England because there's a lot of granite there. I got a picture of it right here. It, it was supposed to look like the profile of a Native American person. Uh, when I was a kid in uh, New England, uh, New Hampshire, we have Man of the Mountain. It's on all of our quarters. His face has now fallen off. But from the side, it did look like a man, man's face. But that happens a lot with granite formations. It's just kind of the way it's chiseled. And humans tend yeah, to was see this things. Like, was this like carved like this? No, it wasn't carved like that. That's the way it looks. this does look... Yeah. Again... Unnatural. Humans... Uh, we see faces and everything because that's a hum it's a human trait to re recognize faces. The face on Mars. I even see example. faces in the mirror. 
Yeah. When I look in the mirror. Absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be looking in the shower and I have the old the old tile that you've seen and I can like pick faces out of it. It's yeah, no, I know. It's mean. a natural occurrence. Yeah. So um, but anyway, Profile Rock is supposed to be the site where Wampanoag historical figure Anawan, I believe that's how you say that, received the lost wampum belt from Philip. Legend has it the ghost of a man can be seen sitting on the rock with his legs crossed or with outstretched arms, and it's located within the Freetown Fall River State Forest. Um, so, again, uh, people have seen a, a, a ghostly figure of uh, Anawan um, sitting there with his arms outstretched um, as if he's uh, receiving the lo his lost wampum belt from King Philip. Um, I think that's kind of um, kind of interesting. I like Native American folklore. I'm actually more particular to to um, Northern Athapaskan folklore from um, from the uh, the almost Midwest all the way down to the Southwest. I think that is some of the most interesting stuff. So when we're talking about it, I really enjoy um, Native Sioux Tribe folklore, and I do really enjoy um, listening to some of the Navajo. Folklore, I think that stuff's fantastic. As a matter of fact, one of the things you'll be talking about in a future episode has a lot to do with Navajo folklore. But um, I digress. I'm not as familiar with the folklore from the uh, the northeastern tribes, even though I should be. Um, but um, they were the first ones to encounter the Europeans, and they got scrizzed hard time. So, um, and they were trying to help too. They were super friendly folk too. <clears throat> so King Philip really screwed the hell out of these guys, and um, it is said that there is a curse upon the land in that area now. After this whole um, thing that they went through, this whole war, um, but uh, that's that's pretty much the, the the gist of what I wanted to lay down is mostly just the history and uh, of the area. What, what do you think? There's a lot of murders and uh, and suicides in in this area. Yeah, I I think it's interesting. I mean, just kind of reading up on it and knowing that you were going to talk about this and it was going to be our first ever two-part episode. I mean, I think you can summarize it with this one sentence. It says, according to legend, the reason why the Bridgewater Triangle is such a hot zone of paranormal activity is because the Native Americans cursed the swamp centuries ago. I mean, when you've got land that belonged to someone else, you've got murders that have happened, suicides... Um, just all this tragedy and then someone lays a curse down like I mean just and the fact that it's a swamp in a forest a lot of it kind of reminds me of when we did the episode about Pine Barrens in New Jersey it's just a big piece of land that isn't really super inhabitable uh, because it's thick or wet whatever um, Places like that, I think they're scary, even if there's not ghosts, which it sounds like there are ghosts, but it's a good topic. Yeah, I, I, I find it to be terrifying. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll go through just some of the, just a few of the murders that have, have been found there. There are so many that I literally can't talk about all of them, and I'll have to change the batteries in our recorder before I finish. But, um, like, so in 1978, the body of uh, a random teen um, 
Mary Lou Arruda was found tied to a tree in the forest. After four trials and a series of appeals, James Cater is found guilty of the murder and is sentenced to life without parole. 1979, satanic cult members murder three young women involved in Fall River prostitution. The bodies of two women are found elsewhere where their skulls crushed, their hands and legs lashed together. Only the mutilated skull of the third victim is ever recovered. Police investigators locating evidence of devil-worshipping activity at several locations in the forest believe the victims were lured by a cult and slain in ritualistic sacrifice. Three uh, cult members were later convicted of those murders. One girl I was talking about that said she didn't want to piss off Satan for, or the leader guy, mm -hmm. they gave her witness protection, finally convinced her to help out and gave her witness protection. She, they, the, the, the police officer, I believe his lieutenant, took her to a church, saw her walk into the church uh, and the pastor take her, and later on she goes missing. She's found dead. Anyway, pretty horrible stuff. A few more things to tantalize our audience before we move on and come back in the next episode. Um, in 1983, a healthy newborn male infant is abandoned in that area of the forest just off Route 24 and later dies of exposure. His parents are never identified. 1987, a sled dog runner discovers the body of a Fall River drifter who was beaten, shot three times, and set ablaze by four men he believed he would uh, that believed he was a police informant. Freetown Police Chief um, Charles uh, Charlton Abbott Jr. then a patrolman responds and finds a grotesque scene. In his words, 1988, two men are found naked and dead from a shotgun wound um, in um, shotgun wounds in a wooded area of Dartmouth, adjacent to the state land. That same year, the body of Elizabeth Gregory, buried in a remote forest cemetery after her death in, 1960, in 1868 at the age of 86, was stolen from her grave, and cult activity was, was uh, suspected. 1991, an 18-year-old youth was stabbed, beaten and left for dead during a drug deal gone bad. I don't think that has anything to do with Satanist stuff, and that stuff can happen anywhere, especially in Arizona. But, happened here, his assailants steal his boots, bury him under the leaves, but he is found alive after three days. The victim suffers brain damage and frostbite, later losing both of his legs. Ongoing police and state officials investigate unrelated series of physical and sexual assaults, attempted murders, suicides, car burnings, animal mutilations, and ritualistic activity in and near the Freetown and Fall River portions of the state park. And I can keep going. <clears throat> Seriously, I could go for the next 30 minutes at that rate and not touch half the murders and disappearances in this area. But I wanted to leave you with that, something to mull over a little bit. What is a scorched land? Maybe. Legend says it is. Hmm. Legend says it is a cursed land. And very interesting. But we'll leave you with that for now. And that there are also <clears throat> Bigfoot-like sightings. That's the next episode. Don't. That's the next episode. We gotta tease them a little bit. Okay, that's but that's we have some cryptozoology stuff. You have been teased. So guys, I hope you enjoyed uh, part one of the Bridgewater Triangle. I know it's a lot to take in. That's what she said. But uh, <laughs> don't. We'll get sued. Don't come at me, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> you're, since you're off key, I don't think they're gonna catch it. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But this is kind of Indiana Jonesy too, what we're talking about. So it's kind of exciting you're doing it. Um, I can see it now. Indiana Jones 5, Harrison Ford, 119 years old. Indiana Jones and the curse of the Bridgewater Triangle. Triangle. Creep it real, guys. Creep it real. See you next time. I think we should go there and like set up camp at night. And we you want to go there? Why would we want to go there and set up camp? There's you just talked cool about stuff. all these murders and how you can talk about it for 30 minutes. <laughs> I don't want to go there. I mean, I've seen a nice cabin. Somewhere. We can bring Indiana Jones with us. Oh, the Harrison Ford's in the